This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? We're back with another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined by Gabby Urrutia. And today we're going to have a fun one, I think. Um, just a fun conversation. It's NFL Draft Week, so we're going we're gonna to dive into that here in the first half of the show. Uh, you know, Share our thoughts on the UM guys that are moving on to the next level. Wishing them all the best, of course. Then we're going to take a commercial break and we'll have a little fun conversation uh, with recruiting, um, you know, led by Gabby. But we're, we're going to talk about just uh, the elite talent we think it'll take to uh, get Miami back to national prominence. Uh, we'll share our thoughts on who those guys might be uh, from the 2021 recruiting class that just signed and some guys early enrolled and then projecting forward to this 2022 class. But first let's get into this NFL draft, Gabby. Um, I'm curious, man, are you a fan of the NFL draft? Do you follow it closely? Uh, I assume you're a Dolphins fan. I honestly don't know, but are, are you interested? Are you invested in the NFL draft? I am. And like, I, I'm not like a, I'm not like a super freak about it in the, in the sense that like, I'm like constantly looking up mock drafts and all that stuff. Cause I mean, I just feel like, man, I feel like every year we look back at these mocks and we just like laugh at them. Like, wow. Like look how off everybody was. And I feel like everyone's just taking shots. I don't know. I, I, I kind of just take it for what it is. Like I'm, I'm the type of guy that's just like, I know who I like and all that stuff. And I just kind of let it all play out because I know like the actual Thursday, Friday, Saturday of it is usually unpredictable. So I just kind of take it for what it is and kind of hope for the best. Honestly, I'm not like a, I'm not a guy that's going to sit there like researching every little thing and all that stuff and all that type of stuff. But I, I love it. I love the draft. I think it's absolutely awesome. It'll be fun. You know, it, it's fun off season entertainment, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And, and I think every day of the draft, uh, there, there's definitely Miami Hurricanes intrigue, right? So I think the first round. You're looking for Jalen Phillips' name to come off the board. Maybe Greg Russo. It does seem like, you know, if you if you do buy into mock drafts and, and that community, it seems like Greg Russo is slipping maybe to the second round-ish area, but wouldn't be shocking to see him get picked in the first round either. I think, you know, Quincy Roche kind of getting buzzed late second, third, maybe fourth round. Uh, Brevin Jordan. I think kind of in that same range, maybe late second, third, fourth. And then Jose Borregales, you know, the, the expectation is that he will be the first kicker taken off the board. It's hard to predict when that might be. I would say maybe start looking to hear his name, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round, right? Yeah. So um, I think those are kind of the expectations from a Miami Hurricanes perspective going into this 
draft, Gabby, but I want to pick your brain, you know, assuming that those guys kind of get picked in those general areas, right? Who, who is the one guy from Miami in the draft? And I think all of them will end up being solid pros, right? But, but who's the guy you would bet on the most relative to where they are going to get selected, you know, if you buy into these projections at this point? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I might go with the boring pick, and that's Jose Borgales because I think he's going to be money. But just talking about, like, one of these, like, on-field guys, like, you know, I, I think Jalen Phillips, man, I mean, I think this is a guy that's really starting to, you know, figure out, like, who he is, like, you know, just be comfortable in who he is as a football player. Obviously, he had all those issues at UCLA, and I know that's concerning for some, but, you know, when you kind of consider the fact that he was the number one overall player coming out of high school, and then you kind of saw him play that way, like play like a number one overall player like this past season uh, after missing so much time and never actually really being able to get into like a rhythm of a regular season and all those different things. And even factoring in COVID that he was still able to kind of develop and do the things that he was kind of able to do, uh, you know, in in just like the circumstances and everything, just given everything he'd kind of gone through, just, you know, I, I'm just really interested to see what's some consistency uh, in his football career looks like, you know, him healthy, him in a good headspace, and him just being physically freaky. Like we've seen him be, uh, I think that the ceiling's really high for him. And I think he could be a special talent for sure. I agree. I'm very high on Jalen as well. Um, you know, he's just a pro and we saw him yeah. carry himself that way all season long. I know there was questions when he transferred from UCLA about how much he loved football, but I think he kind of put all that to bed with what he did in 2020 at Miami for, for me, I, I don't understand what is happening with Greg Russo's draft yeah. stock. Um, it blows my mind that he might slip to the second round and, you know, NFL, I know nobody in the NFL is probably listening to this podcast, <laughs> but let me give a warning, right? We've seen this movie before. In my opinion, I think, you know, is it a perfect comp? No. But I think there are a lot of um, it, a lot of fair comparisons that can be drawn between Calais Campbell and Greg Rousseau. Uh, Campbell, of course, is bigger, thicker. Um, but Campbell was a guy that that slid down to the second round. Um, similar length, similar motor to Greg Rousseau. Still a guy that needed polishing at the NFL level. Um, but, but was a guy that willing to, that was willing to put in the work to maximize his physical traits, his physical gifts, which is length and motor, right? Motor is something, in my opinion, effort is a trait and that's everything, especially like, you know, when I think of Greg Rousseau as a pass rusher, yeah, he's not a clean technician. Um, he, 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 you know, from the last time we saw him. I, I assume he's definitely worked on that, but, but what made Greg so effective was his length. He, he measured in at an 84 inch wingspan, essentially at, at Miami's pro day and then his motor. Right. And those two things will always translate in my opinion, uh, no matter what level you're playing at. Um, you know, I think, I do think it hurt Greg in a weird way to have to go through the, the pro day with Jalen Phillips, who yeah. is a physical freak when it went in terms of testing. Right. But in his own right, in my opinion, Greg Rousseau is a physical freak as well. You know, being six foot 
seven, six foot eight, running a high four six in the 40. Uh, you know, when you factor that in with uh, his wingspan and his effort, I don't think, you know, he, he is a finisher when, when he gets his opportunities to get in the backfield yeah, and get sacks, right? Like um, when he gets that opportunity, that quarterback's getting on the ground. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, you look back at Calais Campbell's times. Again, he's bigger, so I get it. But he ran a 5-140 at the NFL Combine. He did measure in at 290, so again, he's bigger. Um, but he, he bench-pressed less than, than Greg Rousseau did. He bench-pressed 225 16 times at the Combine. Greg, I think, was like 21 or so, if I remember correctly, at the top, up the top of my head. So... I would view, I, I would view Greg Rousseau as a different type of defensive end than Jalen Phillips. And I think the NFL, for whatever reason, is viewing them similarly as a four-three twitchy type guy. I almost view Greg as a three-four type defensive yeah. end that you can kick inside sometimes too, mm-hmm. uh, because I think his body's still growing, still developing. I think at the end of the day, he'll he'll be like a 280, 285 defensive end. And, you know, long lovers are strong lovers. All those cliches apply to Greg Rousseau. And if he slips to the second round, like Calais Campbell did, um, I think whatever team gets him in the second round is going to get a steal. Yeah, I think another thing about Greg is, like, he's 20, 21 years old. Like, he, he's right. young, right? Like, he still has a lot of room to grow, you know? Like, he again, like, just with, obviously, the craziness of COVID, like, you know, I feel like he, he hasn't even played a lot of football, right? Like, I feel like what we've seen from him is just kind of like the tip of the iceberg because we kind of saw what he could do in a full season, but what he started, what, like six games, maybe that, that right. year that he had, that he like had that ridiculous, like 19 and a half tackles for loss, whatever it was, you know, I just think that the, I think it's seeing so high. And I think he, if he falls into the right place, the right system and all that stuff, I think he like, you know, maybe not right away. I'm not saying as a rookie, he's right. going to win any defensive defensive rookie of the year awards or anything like that. But I think, you know, year three, year four, you know, you start getting, he starts kind of figuring it out and all that stuff. And I think he's going to be a real problem in the league just because of all the things that you mentioned, David, like you can't teach that size. You can't teach that twitch. Just his, again, his ability to finish at the quarterback. And that's so true. Just like, you know, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, that, that, that they're going to slip through the tackles. Like he, when he gets there, he's like, he's finishing the play every time. So I think that he's a special talent for sure. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, I'm wondering how much also the fact that he didn't play this past year and Greg and James played as well as he did, how much that kind of hurt him as well. So, but I mean, I think regardless, I think you roll the dice on a guy that, that, you know, tests that way that measures up that way and has shown on tape what he's been able to show. So, you know, and honestly a weird year, like a weird year for Miami football in general, he was still able to really be that successful. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, I think the honestly, I think it's really bright for him. I think the future is really bright for him. I think, I honestly think someone's going to take a chance on him in the first round. I think that, yeah. I think that'll end up working out for him. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's still ascending, still developing, you know, what, four years ago, he was kind of focusing on wide receiver, right? Yeah, so he's, yeah, exactly. he's new to the position. You mentioned it, like he's got a baby face still. So he's still maturing physically, all that stuff. I would bet on him all day. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, if the NFL agrees, but, you know, before we move on to recruiting, I I think we should just touch quickly, Gabby on, you know, maybe one thing we'll remember about each one of these guys, right. 
and I'll let you go first. Let's let's start with Greg. What what stands out when you think of Greg's career or time at Miami, uh, or maybe even as a recruit? Uh, what what will you remember most about him? I mean, for for Greg, I think it's got to be that Florida State game. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, where he just like absolutely died. I feel like that was like I feel like he had already kind of shown a lot. But that was like his like breakout game in a sense where it was just like, wow, like Greg Russo is quite possibly the best defensive lineman in the country. And that is like factoring in Chase Young, you know, obviously Chase Young is Chase Young, but that's where he was just like kind of creeping towards him when it comes to sacks and all that stuff where he was like on his tail basically the entire year. And that was kind of like the moment where where I feel like the world kind of recognized like, wow, this Greg Russo guy is absolutely legit. And uh, against Florida State, big time game, like, I know they've said it before, like, you know, you're going to be remembered by the how you played against Florida State. They're going to ask you your record against Florida State. Like, I know many Diaz, you know, people around the program have said that. So uh, that's definitely how I remember him. And, you know, I'm sure that's how a lot of people remember him. Alex Hornibrook's worst nightmare. He's probably yeah. still having nightmares about him oh, uh, from that game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. I, I agree. That's what that's the game I'll remember. Um, and, and again, just highlighting how he is an elite finisher. In the backfield, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Greg had five pressures, which honestly isn't like a crazy number for, for a single game. Like single game, you know, guys will have seven, eight, nine pressures sometimes uh, at the college level. But Greg had five pressures in that game and he finished with four sacks. So got in the backfield and he made the most of that opportunity. Let's let's move on to Jalen Phillips. What will you remember most about him? Man, honestly, what I remember most about Jalen Phillips is the first time I was like, I was on Green Tree. Like we were all there on Green Tree for spring. I think it was a spring practice. Could have been fall or whatever it was. And he walked onto the field, and I just thought, like, how skinny this kid is. Like he just did not look like a defensive end at all. And right. then just like considering his whole develop, like like Jalen Phillips' entire development is like mind boggling to me because I saw him like on day one when he walked onto UM, and I was just like wow, like this is going to be a project for real. Like this is not the Jalen Phillips I remember seeing on 247 and in All-American games and all that stuff. Like that, just his whole entire just full circle development and just like how big he got and just how much of an impact he made. Uh, that's that's honestly what stands out to me about Jalen Phillips. Just like the journey, honestly, just like his yeah. journey and how he kind of just, just made it work. I, I just think it's an awesome story and just like kind of, seeing him day one and seeing him now and just like the vibe, like, you know, the hype he's getting and it's warranted and all those things is it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, in a similar vein, right. I, the thing I'll remember is, you know, before the world shut down with COVID last, last March, we did get to watch a couple of open practices. And I remember, you know, Andrew Ivans was there too. And I remember, you know, leaving one of those practices and just, you know, saying to Andrew, like, wow, Jalen was freaky today, just his get off and, and they weren't in pads or anything, but just his, his movement skills, his ability to accelerate at his size was noticeable that day. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if Andrew and I basically proclaimed this after that practice, but we, I think we kind of hinted like, yo, he, he looks like a first round pick. He's moving like a first round pick and we'll see if it translates into play on the field during the season. And it did. Um, so that's kind of what I'll remember just, you know, him, like, like you said, going from that process of looking super skinny when he first arrived, probably weighing 200 pounds or so 
to, you know, looking like a first round talent on spring practice, number one or two, whichever one we, we got to get. And from a game perspective, to me, the, the game that'll stick out is that Virginia Tech game. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of the most impressive defensive end performances I've ever seen in terms of like effort. Um, I, I think he played every defensive snap in that game or, or maybe missed two or three defensive snaps. It was like 72 snaps he played in that game finished with eight tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. And, you know, that was Virginia tech, you know, featured Hendon hooker. Who's a, who's a quarterback that can run around a lot. And so, you know, Jalen Phillips had to, had to chase him all day long and he just played with a ton of energy, took over that game. And, uh, you know, I do feel like that is the game that solidified him as kind of being a, a guy that would be picked in the first round of this draft. Yeah. And then the Florida state game too, just, I think he came up with the exception, yep. whatever it was that he kind of like thought that was a cool moment too. From Jalen Phillips. Yep. Very athletic play. All right. Quincy, Quincy Roche. What do you remember about him? Quincy? Um, I think it's a pit game, right? Like, I think that was like his, his breakout game. I think he had like four, I think it was like four tackles for loss. He forced a fumble, all those things. I remember him having just like a big game and, and I, that was a gritty pit game. Like, you know, that was a, a hard mm-hmm. thought. It's kind of like defensive game. Like that was one of the, that was one of the the big moments for Quincy that I was just kind of like, all right, like, you know, he, he came in obviously with a lot of hype. He was the defensive player of the year in the, I like, you know, at Temple, you know, uh, you know, I, that was just one of those times where it was just like, man, like, you know, this guy's for real. Like this guy could, this guy could really get it done. I mean, he flashed a lot just throughout the year. He finished with, I think like 15 and a half tackles for loss. Like, you know, just, right. just, just a true, like another, you said it about Greg, like, you know, like Quincy just kind of just feels like a true pro, you know, like he just, he always kind of gave me that vibe that he was just like a guy that was here for a purpose. And that was to get drafted to, to raise his draft stock. And, you know, that's, you know, I just kind of, you know, when I think of Quincy Roche, I just think of, I just think of a guy that, you know, was really just honestly just treating this like his, like, like his rookie year, you know, just like a guy that came in here right. to truly just work and, uh, you know, get better and just like, you know, really make an impact on this team. And, you know, that's, that's how I'll remember Quincy Roche. Honestly, that's a, I mean, I have a ton of respect for the guy. I remember him like, you know, coming, coming to Miami, deciding to come to Miami after De'Aaron King kind of right. decided he was going to come to Miami. So just kind of like, you know, wanting to make something special happen here. And, you know, I think he did, I think he, he put in his end of the bargain, you know, I thought he did a really good job down here. I agree. And just kind of echoing what you were saying, the, the thing I'll remember about him is just his alpha mentality. Uh, he's, he's just a grinder, a straight up pro. He's, you know, there's a lot of nonsense that some of these, that some guys get caught up in, right. In social media, all that stuff. Yeah. Quincy's not about that life. No. And, you know, being a older guy now, I, I, I appreciate that. He's all about the grind, all about the process of, of getting better and improving. And, uh, you know, I, I am curious to see how his NFL career unfolds because I'm not sure he has top, top, top level physical traits. Um, he definitely tested well at the pro day, which was a good sign. Um, but, but he does have the kind of the intangibles that, that will allow him to have a successful and hopefully long NFL career. He's a slippery pass rusher. And I think if he shows the ability to hold his own playing in space, uh, like I said, he could have a long career. How about Brevin? Man, Brevin, uh, 
with Brevin, I think obviously what stands out is I think his freshman year, the Florida State catch, you know, where yep. the, the Nicozy Perry connection where, you know, that was like the play that gave Miami a lead in that game, obviously ended up winning that, um, you know, was a key piece in this, you know, this winning streak over Florida State. So, uh, you know, just him also just like buying into Miami, you know, just being a, the personality of the team, I feel like, like, you know, I feel like, you know, just in interviews, all that stuff, Brevin was just always a cheerful guy, a guy that was happy to to right. be around just just happy to be a cane and just like happy to talk to people and just kind of just like being like unapologetically himself uh that's something i respect a lot about brevin and uh, that's something that like when i again when i think of brevin like i'm gonna think of him laughing i'm gonna think of him you know just really just being himself like you know some people may tense up in the press conferences and stuff or you know be nervous in those situations and he's just like this is who i am this is who i'm gonna be and then he just like you know would just go ball out on the field too just see uh, just, you know, buying into the tide and tradition here out of, you know, one of the top programs in the country in Bishop Gorman out of Las Vegas. He had many other places that he could have gone to play and he chose to come down here and be a part of Miami and all that stuff. So, you know, those are just a few things that'll stand out to me about Brevin. And, you know, I think he's another guy, you know, that I think he falls into the right situation uh, just with the kind of way the game's going, like, especially even now the NFL, how it's kind of turning, you know, he can find himself in, a, in, a, in the right passing offense. And I think that he could find himself some success as well. Uh, you know, given again, he lands in the right system. So definitely excited for him and his NFL career. And uh, yeah, man, honestly, just super pumped about like for Brevin and just happy he was a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember that FSU game, right? The, the 2018 yeah. game, Miami was down 27 to seven, you know, early in the third quarter at one point of that game, they, they fought their way back with some big plays defensively. And then I, I think it was the fourth quarter. Brevin came up with that big 41 yard touchdown play with the Kalen Brooks in coverage, um, you know, it, it takes special plays like that to win that game. And that 41 yard touchdown was, I think it was like, you know, that Miami offense struggled that year. It yeah. was like the fourth longest touchdown against a power five opponent that year. So made a big play against, you know, the rival and, and that's gotta be remembered. You mentioned how he's a interesting fit for the NFL. And I agree to me, I'm curious what you think about this comp. To me, he has some Aaron Hernandez to him. Uh, just obviously play on the field. Um, you know, 6'2", tight yeah. end, that can really pick up yards after the catch, athletic, runner. Um, I think Hernandez probably a little faster, maybe a little more explosive. Um, but, but that's how I kind of envision Brevin being used at the NFL level. Yeah. And I think that's good. I mean, again, like a guy that's that, you know, they understand his role is to catch passes, you know, like he, he'll block, you know, at a, maybe a decent average level, but you know, he's a guy that's there to pass to, to catch passes, you know, to be a mismatch. And I feel like uh, Aaron Hernandez was that, you know, he was an absolute problem on those Patriots offenses that, you know, were ridiculous that, you know, again, you, maybe you even pair Brevin Jordan with another tight end like that, and they can kind of complement each other the way that, you know, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez complemented each other at times. So, you know, I, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a solid comp, honestly. I think that, you know, Brevin Jordan could potentially have that type of impact and, you know, that same sort of athleticism, you know, again, maybe not to Aaron Hernandez's level, but, you know, just a guy that can go out there and, you know, make plays just using his body, just using like, you know, the way that he's kind of built and all that stuff. And yeah, I think that's solid, honestly. I didn't really think about that one, but thinking about it, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good one. Jose Borregales, what do you remember? Yeah, Jose Borgales, I remember him nailing like a 50 something yarder uh, at Marlins Park for FIU. Yeah. 
And then just kind of that whole, that whole thing coming full circle and him coming to Miami, uh, you know, and then ha- him, I mean, you obviously think of the Groza award, you know, him winning that, like that's the first person in Miami's history to do that. That's Crazy. amazing stuff. And then, you know, I honestly, I think about that Louisville game too, where again, that was kind of yeah. like his breakout game where, you know, he was a key piece, you know, Miami obviously won the game, you know, pretty comfortably, but you know, he was, that was kind of like, you know, Miami had just gone through the Bubba Baxa era where it was just like missed field goal, missed field goal. We, we weren't even, we were going for two at points because we weren't sure but Baxa was going to make an extra point. We were throwing out, uh, what is it? Tucker Davidson or whatever his name is. I can't even remember the guy that, the guy that looked like Turner. Like yeah. Turner Davidson. Yeah. Like, you know, then to come in and then Jose Borgas to have that game where he hit like, again, like a 50 yarder at Louisville, a place where I feel like Miami hasn't had a ton of success in the past. Um, I guess it's, yeah, just, I thought that was like, that was just like, holy crap, Miami has a kicker. This could be awesome. And then obviously again, just him kind of just rolling through the year and just being just absolutely money the entire time. I think the only missed field goal came on a block, right? Like I think it was a block kick and that was the yep. only one that, that was the only like quote unquote miss. But I think like field goals that got up that were like fully attempted. I think he was, I think he was perfect all year. Right. Am I, am I missing yeah. one? No, no, you're right. And yeah, I mean, I do think he he made a nice jump, honestly, too, from his time at FIU to yeah. Miami. Like, I think he he did make strides, you know, working at his craft. And so that's cool to see. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to not think about Jose um, from that FIU game, right? I, I remember going into that game on the podcast, Andrew and I were kind of hinting strongly, like, okay, there's buzz around Jose that he might enter the transfer portal at the end of this season. And if he does, you know, Miami might be interested. Right. Um, so we were kind of hinting like, Hey, keep an eye on this kicker. And, you know, right before halftime, he nails that 50 yard field goal, big celebration. Uh, you know, I think he did like a lawnmower celebration if I remember correctly, <laughs> Something um, like that. you know, but you could see like, and yeah, from like a Miami fan perspective i was really annoyed to see that <laughs> like yeah. man, screw this guy uh, but he lifted the entire team like the entire yeah, sideline rushed onto the field they you know it, it raised their confidence level that they could go out and beat miami that day which they did and, and later on in the game he hit a 53 yard field goal uh to give them a 16 to 0 lead and you know kind of a similar reaction from the sideline. Everyone was, was fired up. So, uh, Jose brought that to Miami, you know, it it didn't take long for, for Miami, the the team there to feel confident in their kicker. And, you know, we've learned that that's a big deal. So, and and like you said, very cool that he won the Groza, um, first hurricane to do it. And, uh, we'll see if his, you know, I've, I've hinted that I, you know, his brother is, Every bit is good, right? So we'll see if he can kind of keep the family tradition going at some point during his UM career with with the Groza Award, or at least being a finalist, because um, you never know. But that's that's kind of it. I think you know, it, it's a good group of guys. Um, like I said, all of these guys are just pros. Uh, great mentalities to them. They are leaving Miami in a better spot than when they arrived, and, and that's kind of the goal uh, for every. NFL draft class. Um, and so wish, wish them all nothing but the best wish them all to go get selected, uh, as high as possible. Um, 
So yeah, that was fun. And let's take a commercial break, Gabby, and we will dive into some recruiting hot takes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back, Gabby. Um, you know, longtime listeners of this show are well aware of, of how I pound the table about how, you know, the importance of stacking talented recruiting classes year after year after year after year. That's the number one. Uh, you know, predictor uh, of success in, in college football is the ability to, to always stack talent. And are you always going to hit on five-star players? No. Are you always going to hit on four-star players? No. But you improve the probability of hitting on those guys when you stack five and four-star guys on top of each other, class after class after class after class. So within that point, Gabby, you know, what one just you know, random number I've come up with is I, I think it's important for each class, you know, to be able to identify five difference makers or game changers per recruiting cycle. Um, five guys that you can point to and say, okay, they make plays, whether it's defensively, they force turnovers, they generate sacks. Um, they can rack up a bunch of tackles. Um, or on offense, you know, the guys that can change the scoreboard, uh, guys who can generate explosive plays, obviously big-time linemen that can control the line of scrimmage. So within that, you know, lens, let's, let's dive into that, and let's start with the 2021 cycle, um, which, you know, this 2021 class, I think you and I are both pretty high on, yeah. and – I would like to, I'll let you start, but, but who would be the five difference makers you would highlight and let's just limit it to five. I think you could expand it, but who would be the five guys you're, you're pointing to in this class and being like, okay, they can definitely be difference makers for, for Miami moving forward. For sure. Yeah. No, my five, um, I don't know if you want me to go like person by person and say why I feel that way, but I can just yeah, rattle off. Go ahead. You. All right, cool. So, I mean, my five, I mean, obviously the two you have to go with, obviously the two five stars, Leonard defensive lineman, Leonard Taylor, uh, five-star safety, James Williams. And then I'm going Jake Garcia, Andres Borgales, Brashard Smith. But I mean, I, I mean, Leonard Taylor, you know, I just think he's, he's a playmaker. I mean, it's, he's not like the number one player in like, south florida or anything he's not like he this is like the number one defensive tackle in the entire country 
you know, this is an absolute difference maker from the jump, you know, not saying that he's going to start as a freshman or, you know, collect 10 sacks as a freshman, but I think this is a guy that just walks in and elevates the room. You know, yes. I think he's a guy that yeah, even the, the juniors and upperclassmen, like this kid's going to walk into the room and they're going to, they're going to stand up a little straighter. You know, they're going to know like, this is like an absolute dude that has the potential to take my job right now. If I don't bring it every single day. And, you know, I think that that's just a situation where like, you know, Leonard Taylor, once he does get on the field and is able to kind of make that impact on a, you know, game by game basis, uh, I think he's going to do it at a very high level and he's going to do it very consistently. Uh, you know, let me over ask the you this, of- Gabby, yeah, you, so you went out and saw a lot of high school football, right? Is your, your, yeah. your first year on the beat, but um, you, you went to a lot of games. You saw a lot of guys, not even necessarily guys who ended up at Miami, right? Um, yeah. Was Leonard the best player? Would you say he was the best player you saw play live last year, you know, with all these games you went out to? Oh, yeah. Like, there, there's no question. And I think that it's just like, you, you just see it. Like, he, it's almost like it, you're watching him and it's just like, there's no one that can do anything about it. Like what this kid wants to do. Like, it's like when he turns it on and he's like, he's ready to go. Like he's making a play. Like he's either creating a ton of pressure. He's getting to the backfield. He's forcing a fumble. He's doing something like anything that like he could possibly do from the interior defensive line. He's getting it done. I mean, I I don't know that they make them any better than Leonard Taylor as a high school prospect. You know, like I don't think you can expect more from a guy that looks the way Leonard Taylor does moves the way Leonard Taylor does than what he is actually able to put on the field. And again, that's given a COVID year where it's just imagine for the high school kids, it's even a weirder off season because they don't have these loaded up strength staffs and they don't have all these, you know, all these people around that, you know, could really, you know, help them kind of manage the physical toll that honestly, that this whole break kind of led. So, you know, there was a point where every single player I watched seemed a little bit out of shape because these kids were sure. at home and all that stuff. So just even given that for him to perform the way that he did and just kind of continue to elevate himself still, I think it's just, I, I, he was amazing, honestly. Yeah. Leonard Taylor was, was unbelievable. Yeah. Leonard, Leonard's obviously on my list too. You know, I've been doing this, I don't know, 13, 14 years now. And he is the best interior defensive lineman I've ever seen from South Florida. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it. Special talent. Uh, I think Miami needs to find a way to get him on the field immediately. I, I don't say that often about freshmen, true freshman defensive linemen. I'm not sitting here saying he needs to start against Alabama, but you need to find a way to get him on the field, you know, 15, 20 snaps in that Alabama game and let his role grow from there as the season progresses. But, yeah, special talent. I think we'll see him make a little bit of an impact, you know, in 2021, but 2022, I think we're going to be talking about a, a star defensive tackle. Uh, James Williams, what do you like about him? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know, again, like, I know you guys have talked about it, like, you know, the versatility, it's just like, like, who is James Williams as a football player? And honestly, I know he wants to be, he wants to hear that he's a safety, but like, I, I'm not even sure you can categorize him as any one thing, because I just think he does so many different things well. You know, to, yeah. to just leave him at one spot, honestly, I think you're I think you're doing him a disservice because I think that like, you know, what he can do at a very high level just exceeds what one position would allow him to do. And I think that's something that's just so unique about what about him, about what he can do and just about what he brings to to defense. And, you know, you many ideas and all that stuff like, you know, it's 
going to this like positionless approach where it's like you can move guys around and have this versatility and guys that you can put in multiple different positions, especially, you know, with the way offenses are going now and how you kind of have to defend in college football in 2021. And I think James Williams just, again, just is a difference maker that could help you get that, that like, you know, those, those extra stops, make those extra plays that some people just might not be able to make. And again, at six, five, 200 plus pounds, like, you know, this is a, this is a dude that again, might be college ready right now. Like I'm going to be interested to see how much of an impact he can make in that, maybe even in that Alabama opener again, maybe not start or anything like that, but can he get snaps? Like, is he, cause Again, like I don't, I don't think Miami's defense has a guy that looks the way James Williams does. No, like they don't. Again, like it's just like you got to find a role for him wherever it is. You got to find a way to get him on the field because he's just one of those guys that has a knack for making plays, just a knack for finding the ball. Yeah. Uh, I remember kind of going into his senior year, the knock was like, oh, he's not very physical or aggressive or anything. And then I watched him play against Shamanad in like the first time I ever saw him play, and I was just like, who is saying this about this guy? Because this guy is just like. He's, he's behaving like he's a varsity kid playing on a JV field and he was playing against a state championship team, you know, right. like he, he was just like imposing his will, just absolutely dominant, fully confident, flying to the football. Like this is a kid that I just believe is really just kind of hitting his stride as a football player. And I think he could be really, really good, you know, coming to Miami, a school that he always dreamed of playing for obviously was committed there young before kind of stepping away and then finding his way back. So, you know, this is a dream school for him and, you know, dream situation. And I think that, I mean, it goes without saying that this is a special talent. Yeah. Find a way to get him on the field. Um, you know, Miami's, of course, struggled last year with with their run defense at times. I think you put a guy like James Williams on the field and he helps solve some of those issues. Um, I don't know about immediately, but definitely in the long term. Uh, he's, of course, also on my list. Jake Garcia. I think we all kind of saw, right, in the spring game, uh, his special ability. I don't know if I necessarily would have had him on this list before the spring, but now that we've seen it, like, I think it's hard to deny that he has a ton of talent, uh, you know, ability to push the ball downfield ability to uh, work the pocket a little bit as an early enrollee freshman. Uh, these are, these are things that come naturally to him. And now that he's got a year to kind of, uh, work at his craft and refine th the things that it takes to succeed at the college level. It's a, it's a very good starting point for Jake to, to kind of build on his skill set. And I think the potential is there that Miami has a special quarterback. Um, anything else you'd add on Jake? No, I think you nailed it there. I mean, I just think that, you know, just the importance of bringing in a quarterback and a guy that you, that you like, that you trust the evaluation, all that stuff. And then you kind of put him in the system and see how it works. And, you know, I think Jake is a great example of why David, I know you, again, I know you say it a lot, like why you go get a quarterback every cycle, because yeah. maybe a guy where we like, Oh yeah. Like we were excited about him, but then you get him on the field and it's like, man, this is really what a blue chip quarterback could do. And you, you, again, you keep just stacking the talent and bringing those guys in and you let that situation kind of play itself out. And you went Brashard next. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I went Andre sport Gallus next, but yeah, we could do Brashard. Um, I mean, Brashard is just a guy that man, you know, this is a guy that can get it done on the outside. This is a guy that can get it done from the slot. This is a guy that, you know, when Palmetto's quarterback went down in the playoffs, uh, he kind of took over and said, just put the ball in my hands. And, you know, he led Palmetto to their deepest state playoff run in school history, playing wildcat quarterback with the, everyone on the entire field, everyone in the stands, you didn't have to know a lick of football to know that the ball was going into Brashard Smith and they were going to have to figure out a way to make a play. 
And, you know, this is a guy that's just a straight football player. Uh, you know, I've seen him do it, you know, multiple, I, I saw him do it in a bunch of different ways, you know, throughout his senior year. And, you know, I just think this is a guy you kind of throw into the mix. And, you know, again, I, again, I think he's just a guy that really just elevates the room, you know, like, I think this is a guy that Mark Pope is going to look at and be like, oh crap, like this kid could, this kid might be able to outplay me right now. Like this kid could do what I do. And he's also younger and probably faster. I mean, four, four, one speed, I believe on the 40 that he was timed at, you know, at some point. Yeah, I, I think just think Brashard Smith is, is an amazing talent that, you know, so, again, so versatile in an offense where you can move him around. And I think, again, maybe not game one, maybe not Alabama, but I wouldn't be surprised right. that if there was a freshman receiver that really made an, an impact as a year one guy, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was Brashard Smith because I just think he's that good. And, you know, I just kind of know his personality and stuff just after spending you know, time with him and talking to him a, bunch, a whole bunch of times. And, uh, you know, I think this is a kid that's going to come in ready to work and ready to compete for some for some playing time. And, you know, I just think he's a special talent, honestly. I agree. He, he made my list as well. I don't know how much of him we'll see immediately, to be honest. And I don't even know, you know, 2021, if, if we'll see much of him at slot receiver, just because Miami has Mike Harley. It seems like Xavier Restrepo's coming on strong. And now Mark Pope appears to be primarily working out of the slot. Just seems like a lot of a lot of bodies there at this stage. But I do think, you know, Brashard um, can make an impact in the return game. Yeah. So uh, I'd give him I'd give him an opportunity there and see what he can do. If he shows that he can make plays there in that role, um, start working him in more at receiver. And then the last spot you went with the kicker, right? Andres? Yeah. Yeah, I went with Borga. I feel like you kind of have to just because I don't think there's anyone that's going to have a more immediate impact on Miami uh, than Borgalis. Like, I don't think anyone's questioning who's going to be the kicker. And again, I just think like me, at least me as, you know, a Miami, like growing up a Miami fan and all that stuff, like I have like severe PTSD from that 2019 season of just like that whole kicking situation. And then just kind of seeing how different it could be, you know, obviously under Jose and what was obviously a historic year, not really expecting that from Andres right away, but uh, you know, then just seeing him in the spring game and just seeing how cleanly he was striking the ball and just how confident he kind of looked. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that could really just help Miami get points on the board. You know, whether that be, you know, those three points where we've seen in the past could be the difference in a game, whether it's an extra point, you know, again, could be the difference in the game. We saw against, I think it was Georgia Tech a couple of years ago where I uh, like, you know, we ended up losing that game and we had a chance to, to or maybe it was Virginia Tech, but still, you know, like I think Andres Borgales is a guy that, is going to score points, is going to put points on the scoreboard for Miami. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to do it for the next four years. So I feel like Andres Borgales, while it's not a position player, it's not like, you know, the sexy blue chip pick. Uh, I absolutely think he is an impact player. And I think that he's going to, you know, probably, again, have more, more of an impact in 2021 than any of these other freshmen, just given his role and all that. So that's why I put him on here. Yeah. So I went with Elijah Royo. Um, yeah. you know, enrolled at Miami this spring, but, but was held out because he needed to clean up some injuries dating back to high school. Uh, but I think you turn on his high school film. You can definitely see he's going to be the next playmaking tight end at Miami. Right. So I'm high on him. I'm curious, Gabby, who I'm assuming Elijah just missed the cut for you. Right. But was there anyone else where you're like, man, I I might want to put him on the list too. 
Yeah, honestly, just, I mean, after seeing Chase Smith, yeah, uh, you know, same. Chase Smith was another guy that, you know, was, I, I'm just very intrigued again, kind of for s- similar reasons as uh, James Williams, but, you know, not quite at the, you know, as an, as an, an elite athlete as James Williams, but I'm just really intrigued, intrigued by the length, really intrigued by the way that he moves. Um, you know, I just think like that striker role is kind of meant for a guy like Chase Smith. Like, I think it's kind yeah. of built for that. And, uh, you know, just really excited about like what he could potentially bring to the table, you know, a couple of years down the road. And so, yeah, Chase Smith would have probably been like my, it would have, I was going, I was like juggling Elijah Royo, Chase Smith, and then Andres Borgales. So right. I figured you would probably go Arroyo. So I kind of wanted to bring something else yeah. uh, by just kind of showing Andres some love there. But yeah, Chase Smith and Elijah Royo would probably be my next two. Yeah. So I think, you know, in this 2021 class, you know, you could make the argument Miami has seven guys that, are potentially elite game-changing guys, right? And, and that's that's a lot. Um, you know, I think that a fair goal is five, um, but but the fact that Miami might have seven, might have more if any of these other guys really develop and come on strong. I think Cam Kitchens shows shows some ability, um, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But let's move it forward to this 2022 cycle, right? Because uh, I want I want you to kind of lay out for the UM fan base. Who are the five difference makers you have an eye on, right? For this recruiting class, because it's kind of a blank page right now, right? Miami has one one guy committed in Jakari Brown, a four-star quarterback. Um, if you want to include him on the list, you can. Uh, but but who are, who are like the five difference makers Miami's in the mix with um, that that they kind of have a legit chance at landing um, that, that you're keeping an eye on. Yeah. So, I mean, just for this, I didn't, I didn't include Jacari Brown just because he's already in the class and yeah, I just wanted to go maybe more targets. Um, The five guys I rolled with, and uh, I'm sure you, I mean, you might have different guys, David. I'm not sure if you did this too. Um, I went with Nigel Kelly uh, out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard. I went with Kamari Rogers, the top two, four, seven cornerback out of Lexington, Mississippi. I went with Wesley Besaint out of Miami Central, uh, Jacoby Spells out of Plantation American Heritage, and Isaiah Bond out of Buford, Georgia. So those are those are my five guys that, again, just kind of like my, these are guys that Miami, you know, is in a good spot with at this point. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of names like, you know, targets in South Florida that, you know, we could have thrown on this list. But I'm kind of going with guys that, you know, have set up visits, have, you know, or have plans to officially visit. And that I feel like Miami's in a, in, in, in like, you know, in the running with in a very competitive spot with. So those are the five that, that I was rolling with there. That's interesting. Um, you know, four of the five are on defense. So are yeah. you, are you viewing this 2022 cycle as like a, a key cycle for the defense to kind of stack talent? I, I am, I am. And the reason for that is, I mean, when you think about cornerback, Obviously, Miami didn't sign one last cycle. So you, that, that has to be a position where Miami needs to go get talent. And then you think about the local edge rushers. I mean, you I could have gone with Shamar Stewart. I could have gone with Kenyatta Jackson. There's Nigel e. Kelly. There, there's, there's guys down here. Marvin Jones Jr. You know, there's plenty of guys down here. So I feel like you got to attack the edge rushers. And then Wesley Besaint is just, you know, one of those linebackers that it's just, you know, you got to include him just because of what Miami needs at the position. Uh, you know, we obviously kind of saw the spring game. We, we kind of see that that's a position where, you know, Miami might be able to use an up, an up, an upgrade uh, via the transfer portal or whatever it is. 
And, you know, so I just think that, you know, this is just one of those defensive classes where, you know, there's a lot of special talent around, you know, there's a lot of special guys that are really considering Miami. And, you know, when you think about like the local, you think about Miami locally, one, the running backs, it's kind of a down year for running backs. It's a down year across the entire state at wide receiver. So there's not like a local, there's no, the, there's no Romello Brinson's, there's no Jacoby George's Rashard Smith or anything like that, where it's like Miami needs to go get these specific offensive guys. And then, you know, at tight end, you know, there's not really a local guy either where you're like, wow, we need to get this guy. And then on the offensive line, I guess you can go Julian Armella. Uh, I mean, I considered him too, um, you know, but just sure. when you think about offense, you're not really thinking of like South Florida guys when you think of offense and, you know, you're not thinking, I'm not really thinking of any like, wow, if Miami doesn't land this guy on offense, then, you know, they are, they're, they're done. Like the, this is the must, I mean, I just feel like I, I, I kind of trend more towards the defensive side when I think of yeah. like game changing players this cycle than I do with the offensive side. So let's dive into each guy, you know, briefly, but, but let's give kind of the rundown of where things stand right now. Um, Nigel Lee Kelly, right. Recently decommitted from Florida state last week. Uh, I guess number one, Gabby, were you surprised? And number two, do you consider like right now as things stand, do you consider Miami the team to beat? I, I wasn't surprised. Um, I didn't maybe, I maybe didn't think that it was going to happen this soon. Um, you know, I feel like he was kind of saying the right things about Florida state. He had just gone to their spring game and all that stuff. And, you know, there was obviously some hype surrounding that, but I mean, every time I talked to him, like he was, he was always saying how like he was constantly talking with Miami and like, you know, that Miami had been the school that gets the most like virtual face to face, like FaceTime with him, like whether that's actual FaceTime or Zoom, just going through different, you know, defensive schemes and different, like, you know, just helping him just improve as a player and stuff like that. So I always thought that Miami was involved and I always, I always had the feeling that he was still very open because like, I don't know how committed you are to a school if you're taking meetings and Zoom and like taking critiques and learning from a different defensive staff you know so I always had a feeling that like you know that Florida State commitment was going to stick I feel like Miami's in a good spot man just like for the reason I said I think I just think they're all over him I think this is a guy that they've kind of zeroed in on that not only is he an elite talent but I feel like they feel like they have the best shot with him uh you know again that's not to say that they don't have a shot with Shamar Stewart or that they don't have a shot with Kenyatta Jackson I just think that they've really found their footing with Nigel Kelly and you know as a guy that's kind of rising you know continues to rise in the within the top two, four, seven, I mean, he debuted at 132 and then jumped up 30 more spots in last Wednesday's update. So a guy that's really trending in the right direction. We both saw him at the Under Armour camp. Like yeah. this is, this is, this is a, a freaky talent. So yeah, I think Miami's in a good spot right now to say that they're the favorite or the team to beat. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be super surprised. I included him in my mock draft. I'm including him in this. I feel like Miami again, is in a good spot with him. So he is planning to visit Miami sometime in June, right? Unofficial. Yeah. So he's going to be at the cookout on June 1st, you know, it's okay. a big, uh, yeah, big visit data doing for a lot of like the high priority targets. He'll be there along with a lot of other guys. <laughs> and, and okay, let's move on then to Kamari Rogers. He, he'll be there too. Do I have that correct? The, the June yeah. 1st cookout? Yeah. Kamari Rogers will be there. That, that's a big deal, man. Uh, you know, Kamari Rogers is obviously not from South Florida, Mississippi kid. Uh, he's officially visiting June 18th. So he easily just could have waited two more weeks, two and a half more weeks um, to come for his official visit. And I think that would have been more than like sufficient enough for him and his family. 
But, you know, they're really making it a point to get down to Miami again. Uh, you know, he's already been on Miami's campus two other times. Uh, one time earlier this year when he was in town for the Battle Miami tournament, I think it was late January. So, you know, I think Miami, I think this is, I think Miami's in a good spot here. I think the family really likes Miami. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke has been involved in this recruitment for a couple of years now. And uh, yeah, I think Miami's in a really good spot. I think Ole Miss, obviously, you know, the local school, he was just at their spring game. I would honestly categorize them as Miami's biggest competition, but I think the interest is very, very real between both Kamari and just the entire family in Miami. And just the fact they want to get down here again before they get down for an official visit. Right. I think, you know, that's kind of like the rule in recruiting. You follow the visits, you know, and again, this isn't something he has to do. He's not traveling to Notre Dame to go unofficially visit. Like he's making an effort to do this and the family is so. Uh, I think it's a big deal and definitely something to consider. Wesley Besaint, uh, Miami Central linebacker. I assume he'll also be at one of these unofficial visits. Yes, yeah, so he he will also be there on June first. Uh, again, this is going to be a this is going to be yeah. a pretty loaded event. Uh, you know, it seems like I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I know there's double digit like blue chip guys that have already confirmed. You know, there's it's going to be a, a really really big time thing. And you know, again with Wesley. Um, you know, I, I, again, I feel like Miami's in a solid spot. Florida, I think it's probably turning into a Miami-Florida State battle, but I think he's going to check out West Virginia and Penn State too. Um, yeah, I just feel like Miami can win that one. I just feel like Miami could beat up Florida State there. Uh, you know, I've talked to some people that are familiar with him and, you know, around him, and they're not super sold on the Florida, like on Wesley going to Florida State. Like, I think they're, that's a school he's legitimately interested in, but I think ultimately when it comes to making a decision – um, you know, they're not super sure that Florida state is going to be the move there. So, uh, I mean, I feel good about where Miami stands right now. I have my crystal ball in Miami and, you know, I'm feeling probably, I feel, I, I still feel pretty good about that. I still think there's going to be a process and all that stuff. And he's going to take his visits and I guess you never really know what happens there, but, uh, you know, I think Miami's in a, in a good spot there. And, you know, again, just getting him on campus June 1st, I think that face-to-face time is going to be good for him to just kind of be back and all that stuff. So, I don't think that's going to hurt Miami at all to get him back there, even though he hasn't set up anything officially. Uh, I think that could be one of those times where, you know, just kind of seeing, being around the campus, seeing all those guys again, can maybe push him towards that. And Jacoby spells. I, I, I believe he has set an official visit in yeah. June, right. To Miami. Yeah. And that's interesting because I mean, there, if you just look around the South Florida guys, only two South Florida prospects have set up an official visit to Miami. It's one is Jacoby spells the other is Fort Lauderdale Stranahan linebacker, Omar Graham Jr. So, again, I think Jacoby Spells is the guy that wants to make a decision after he takes these visits. Uh, you know, again, he will, he will be on Miami's campus June 1st, and then he's going to be a part of that big official visit weekend, June 11th, where it's going to be Ja'Curry Brown, uh, you know, Isaiah Bond. It's going to be uh, Jaden Gibson, Quan Lee, a bunch of these guys. It's a big, it's a big official, official visit weekend, so... You know, again, I, my crystal ball's on Miami for Jacoby Spells. I feel good about that. I think uh, Indiana, Syracuse, West Virginia are some of the primary competition. And ultimately, my logic there is just like if Miami can't out-recruit those schools for a guy that's in their backyard that they're strongly pushing for, I think there's bigger problems. I think you go out and get Travars Robinson, you promote Demarcus Van Dyke to kind of lock up guys like this. Right. And uh, I think Miami's doing a good job with that. And so I feel good about my crystal ball there and Miami. So I think Jacoby Spells is – is uh you know i think he's a big time target again he just showed off some impressive speed i think he went 10 7 9 in the 100 meters so got some verified speed on there and you know i think he's a re- i think he's a real t- a real big time talent converted wide receiver showed that he can do it at a high level uh, as a junior at cornerback and i think he's going to take another step now as a senior and 
I think that would be a big get for Miami if they're able to kind of come around and, and lock that up. And the only offensive guy on the list, Isaiah Bond, the speedy wide receiver. Uh, yeah. What do we need? Is he, so he's locked in on a official. Is he doing the cookout as well? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think he's sure about the cookout yet. Um, okay. But I, I, he is locked in for an official. This will be his second time on campus because he was with Ja'Curry Brown right. in South Florida the weekend before Ja'Curry committed to Miami. Uh, you know, Texas, uh, Florida, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Wisconsin, or a couple of other schools involved. I know he's going to spend a weekend in Austin and a weekend in Gainesville. Uh, I still feel good about where Miami stands here. I just think they did a good job identifying him, identifying him early, uh, kind of kind of figuring that he was going to be one of their guys. And I think that kind of means something to him. You know, like I think he's, you know, he, this Miami is going to be the school that he probably sees most before, uh, you know, signing or committing or anything like that. And, uh, you know, just the game breaking speed. And that's why, like, why I have him as a difference maker, just like 10, five, 900 meter, just really, really right. fast, you know, plays at a big time Georgia program that's coming off a, a state championship, went both ways for the team, just an athletic kid that, you know, just has that elite speed that you kind of need now, just like that over the top, just deep threat. And, uh, you know, I think that he can just be one of those guys that just, just really, again, just makes the room faster, makes the offense faster. And that's ultimately the goal, right. Of just this new the way that these offenses are going is just be fast, play fast. And I think Isaiah Bond would be a, a big time contributor to that just based on his top end speed, which is, which is pretty ridiculous. Yes. So of these guys, let me pin you down here, Gabby, of these guys, who would you say you feel like Miami has the best chance uh, landing? Um, at this point, the guy, I mean, the guys I feel like probably the best chance, I would probably go Jacoby Spells. Like that's probably the guy I feel most confident with right now. Um, I, I do feel good about Wesley DeSaint. Uh, my thing is just, I want to kind of wait and see if like anyone else gets involved. Sure. Uh, I want to see how these visits go. Cause he is spending, he's going to use three of them this summer. So, cause he's, I think he's going to West Virginia, Penn state, and then Florida state, uh, later on in June. So, you know, those are three schools that are going to be involved. He's only going to have two left and will one of those beat in Miami during, uh, the actual season. Honestly, again, not like just speculating. I would assume, yes, that Miami will eventually get an official visit from Wesley. That's not that I know anything, just kind of right. assuming because these, these local guys are going to have to officially visit at some point, you know, I feel like. Um, and then one more school and like, who could that be? Is there any other school that's going to kind of creep their way in there? So, but I feel good about uh, right now. I feel best probably about Jacoby Spells and uh, Wesley Besaint. I think I would put Isaiah Bond and Nigel Kelly in the next group. And then Kamari Rogers is just, I'm just worried about the Ole Miss thing. You know, Lane Kiffin right. is doing a good job recruiting. Uh, you know, Terrell Buckley is one of the best defensive back recruiters. You know, he does a really good job too. And he's the local guy. So, you know, Miami wants to keep the local guys home. Uh, all we're kind of trying to do what other schools do to us with Kamari Rogers, which is come into someone else's backyard and take some one of their top end talents. So, you know, I think, I just think that's going to be a tougher battle. Uh, I do think Miami's in a good spot there again, just for all the reasons that I mentioned, but that's probably how I would go there. All right. So I'm not going to ask you which one specifically you think they will land, but of these five guys, you feel like Miami will go five for five, four for five, three for five. How would you characterize of these five? You think Miami can land how many? I think, I think Miami goes at least if I was guessing today, uh, yes. you know, in April, I would guess at this point three for five, you know, and I think that's, okay. that's like just being safe. I think I would go three for five. Uh, 
I think that would, I think getting landing three of these guys honestly would still be solid. You know, I don't think that would be like a, oh my gosh. But again, these are guys that Miami, I feel like Miami's in a good spot with. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying they can't land all five. I'm not saying that they can't land four of the five. But sure. I think just being safe, I think at least three five, three of these five will probably end up at Miami. Well, not probably, but I'm thinking right now, maybe. And last thing, like just my opinion, I would probably put Nigel Leak as the most important guy on this list. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Or would yeah, you push back? I, I would. I wouldn't. I, I would put Nigel Leak as the most important. And again, just because of the edge rushers down here, again, like the Shamar Stewart's, all the guys I mentioned previously, you know, you got to land at least one of them. You know, every school, every major school in the country is coming down trying to land one of these four or five edge rushers down here, right? Like, this isn't just, a, oh, let's see how many Miami can get. It's like, no, Miami needs to land one. Like, Miami's going to have to right. battle to land one of these guys because, you know, you're going up against Alabama and Clemson and LSU and Ohio State and Texas A&M and a bunch of other big-time schools, Florida State, for these edge rushers, you know, so – um I think that it's a. Uh, I think I think landing one and uh, it being Nigel Kelly makes him the most important one. Um, I think just when you think about the edge rusher targets outside of the South Florida guys, I think there's a significant drop off. So um, I think just landing one and just Nigel. I think that's what makes Nigel Kelly the the most important one, probably out of the five I mentioned. Good stuff, Gabby. We'll see if Miami can land some of these elite guys you've you've highlighted for us. Um, Again, Gabby's got a good running list of who's going to be at the cookout June 1st, June 2nd, I think, correct, is, is the 2023 day where, where yeah. Miami's having guys. He's got official visit uh, dates lined up, too. So check out InsideTheU.com. Recruiting's going to get insane in June. Uh, so we're all building up to that, right? May, at the end of May, the dead period is lifted. And so it's going to be recruiting madness across the country and definitely that's going to be the case for Miami who again is kind of a blank page right now uh, with recruiting and putting this class together but uh, they are in the mix for a bunch of special dudes and so we'll see how they do with closing uh, anything else you want to add here Gabby? No David I think you crushed it you crushed that right there alright well let's get out of here and uh, again good luck to all the guys uh, getting drafted this week and uh, it was a fun one Gabby appreciate the conversation man absolutely David this is great let's do it again next week take care alright CBS Friday TV's hottest show is Fire Country I'm not a hero I'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.